Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. That's one of the biggest lies because the truth is, I know what the intention was of our forefathers when they taught us that and our our family that taught us that uh trying to let us know that you know you you can't you can't be moved by what somebody says but here's the reality there have been times in my life i'd rather been beat with sticks and stones than have to deal with some of the stuff that was said to me and about me amen sometimes you'd you'd rather not even some people have have have, i hate to say this but some people have even ended their own life simply because of words simply because of words nothing more nothing less we've got to be a people that teaches people we can get over what's been said about us and to us because greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world amen do we have video announcements all right praise god so we're going to get ready to look at some of the exciting things and i'm sure it's on here but even if it's not or even if it is I want to remind everybody, come on, we need to make a show in today. Let's go to Palmerdale United Methodist Church, 2 o'clock today, and let's pack those boxes for those children. One of the greatest things that ever happened to us on the mission field was when we were in the nation of Peru, and we always tried to stay at least one night in the village versus the other places that we stayed to give the team an example and a feel of what a native Peruvian has to deal with in that cold up in that high elevation. And we stayed in this village that particular night. It was somewhere around 14,000 feet above sea level where this particular village was. That particular trip, we went up to 17,500. But we were around 13,000, 14,000 feet in this village. A village that only six months prior to us getting there had any kind of road even cut our van would have not even been able to get to this village six months prior to when we stayed there the only way to get there was to walk up the mountain and the only way to get any supplies up the mountain was on the back of a llama because that's one of the only animals that can survive up in that cold so we knew any supplies that were there more than likely had came by foot or by the back of a llama so that knowing that we were sitting there that closing night that the night before we were going to get up and leave the next day we're staying in the village there is no heat there is no fire there is nothing you sleep under a blanket in frigid cold weather the people that live there they do not have any wood to burn so they live in conditions that are below zero at times and no fire because uh, nothing no trees can grow up there so we're sitting there in this little tiny room. I bet that whole room, Fifi was there, I bet you that whole room wasn't even as big as half of the front of this extension here. I mean, we were all just like this around this little table. And we were eating this soup concoction that one of the leaders and elders of the, of the tribe there had made for us. So we're sitting there, and it's pretty warm in there because they had the fire of the oven. We're all just sitting around laughing and cutting up and having a good time. And... 
And I'm sitting right across from Fifi. Fifi's right across from me. My daughter Rachel's right next to her. And we're just sort of talking. Was it? Was you the one that noticed it first? Or did I? I can't remember. I, say again. Someone in front Someone in front of Fifi, they was like, what? Oh, my goodness. And I looked up. And I saw exactly what they said. We all went, oh. We all turned around and pushed up in the corner on a shelf in a village, 14,000 feet above sea level was Operation Christmas Child shoebox. Come on, give the Lord a praise. It was sitting there. And it was empty, meaning that a child in that little village the previous Christmas, someone had strapped them on the back of a llama and took them up that mountain. And somebody from somewhere in the world had stuffed that box and had given joy to a child. Come on, give the Lord a praise. It's very real what happens with these boxes. So that we knew it was real, but how many knows you don't have something made more real than that? Because we realized we didn't bring that box. That box was here before we got here. So they really do go into the most remote villages and you really do give an opportunity to bring joy to a child's life that would not know anything about the joy of Christmas. And of course, they don't ever bring the boxes without also bringing the gospel. They share the gospel in every village. They take the boxes. People are saved by the thousands, tens of thousands all over the world every time they bring those boxes. So look, you may not get to go to Peru. You may not get to go to Africa. You may not get to go to Australia. You may not get to go to all these places that these boxes go. But you can go to Palmerdale Methodist Church today. And you can take about 45 minutes of your time and you can stuff a little toy or a pencil or an eraser or something, a little ball for them to bounce. You can stuff it inside that box. And we pray over those boxes. We bring them all together. We speak over the boxes. We lay hands on those boxes and we send them out. So it took a little more time than I wanted to, but I wanted to make sure you understood the gravity of this, that it's worth 45 minutes to an hour of your time. And it won't even be that long. It goes fast. Two o'clock today, Palmerdale Methodist Church, right up Highway 75. Everybody knows where it's at right now. So I'll see you there. But let's watch these announcements. Hey guys, welcome to Solid Rock Church. My name is CJ and I am excited that you're here with us today. As you guys know, we always have a lot of stuff going on and we want to tell you about it. So make sure you pay attention to these upcoming events. This is our last reminder for our Solid Rock students. Friendsgiving dinner this Wednesday night, November the 17th at 6.30 p.m. So I hope you guys will be there and bring a friend with you. Then the next day, Thursday, November the 18th at 11 a.m. is our Ladies Thanksgiving Luncheon. So ladies, I hope you're planning to come and bring someone with you, but we want to let everyone know we need your help to make both of these meals a great success. So please stop by our tables located underneath the balcony and sign up for food items that you can bring and I will see you there on Thursday. As you know, each week we come to you with a prayer focus that we ask you to help us to pray for. This week we're praying for Andalusia Full Gospel Tabernacle, the country of the Dominican Republic, 
And our business this week is Crazy Good Graphics. So lift all these up in your prayers this week. As you know, we will be packing our boxes for Operation Christmas Child today at 2 p.m. at Palmerdale United Methodist Church. And yes, we do need your help. These boxes will be packed, prayed over, and then they will be sent all over the world to bless children in need this Christmas. So, I hope you've already signed yourself up for a team, but if not, get your game face on, get back to our tables located underneath the balcony, and sign up with one of our team captains, Brother Ray, Brother Chet, or Brother Scott. It's going to be a lot of fun, competition is going to be amazing, and you are going to do some great work for the kingdom. See you there today at 2 p.m., but right now, let's welcome our bishop back to the stage. Ushers are coming down to prepare to give you an opportunity for your tithe and offering today. On the screens, you'll be able to see multiple ways that you can give. Many of you have chosen to give text, give by text. It's very easy to do. You can text any amount to 84321. And, of course, you can always do the old-fashioned way. You can bring your gift down and drop it in the bucket. I'm going to pray over that when we say amen. You have that opportunity to give. If you are giving online, uh... You can do that where you're at there, or you can come down here and just tap the bucket with your phone. Praise God. Some of y'all might just want to get out and walk down and be a part of the offering. Praise God. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for each and every one that would give today in your offering. God, This we give to you, God, because we love you. We give to you because we're obedient to your word. And we give you praise for all the cheerful givers that are being obedient to you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. You can bring your offering down. Praise the Lord. If you got your Bible, shout I got my Bible. Let's get our confession ready back there. We ain't done that in a while. Get up on your feet, grab your Bible. If your Bible's on your phone, hold your phone up. If it's on your tablet, yeah, I've said this before, but you can't do this. My Bible's in my heart, Pastor. No, you need a Bible. Praise God. Amen. Let's hold our Bible up. Let's say it together. I believe the Bible was written and preserved over thousands of years for me. I, I can tell it's been a long time because y'all forgot how we do this. Y'all forgot how you, it's like, I believe the Bible was written and preserved for me. No. Are y'all ready? Let's go back to the beginning. Here we go. I believe the Bible was written and preserved. It is relevant. I believe. I believe. It is now time for me to receive the anointed preaching and teaching of God's Word. I will listen. I will retain. 
And I'll allow the Word of God to change me and make me into the person God desires for me to be. I am a leader. I will take notes because all great leaders take notes. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. I said, praise the Lord, everybody. <laughs> Woo. Y'all, we have had some more October and November. I'm talking about we have been on some roller coasters. We have, we have rode highs. We, some of y'all have rode some lows. We, we've had to deal with sickness and diagnosis and quarantine, but let's don't let that be the thing we remember. We just came out of some of the greatest, most powerful services and word that this church has ever experienced. So elevate continues. But today, if we can put that graphic up, greater continues. My God, believe it or not, we started this series about three months ago. And we're just now in part 10. Praise God. I think it's actually more than three months ago. But it, it is a verse by verse teaching. I've not done this probably since the hay barn on a Sunday. It is a verse by verse teaching of a book of the Bible, the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews will change your life. You need to go back and read it again. I'm telling you, if you want to understand who God is, if you want to understand who the Messiah is, if you want to understand everything about Jesus, the book of Hebrews will help you understand as much as our finite minds can understand Jesus. Oh, and by the way, before I go any further, before I get distracted again, great job, Shane. Come on. Awesome job, Don. Great job, Austin. And as usual, amazing to all the rest of our musicians and singers. Man, got that Walker County Shane worship twang. I thought, my God, that man. Hey, brother, all kidding aside, mess with me. It was awesome. You're very anointed, brother. I'm proud of you, son. I couldn't be more proud of you. It's amazing. Come on, give the Lord a praise for what God's doing in our church. Oh, and by the way, if you can sing, dot, 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 harmony on the spot, come talk to our drummer. But notice you got to be able to sing harmony on the spot. Don't, some, some of y'all been told all your life by your grandma that you know how to sing harmony, but you don't know how to sing harmony. No, you got to really know how to sing harmony. Praise God. Okay. All right. Focus, Larry. Focus. Somebody shout, my God is greater than anything. That's in this world. I need to make a few confessions that I typed out when I was doing my message. Here we go. I call this service, this series greater for a reason. Because Hebrews teaches us throughout that Jesus is greater than anything in the world. Are y'all ready? Here we go. Jesus, the Bible tells us in Hebrews, he is greater than Moses. He is greater than David. He is greater than the angels. I said he's greater than Donald Trump. Some of y'all have made Donald Trump your Messiah. Donald Trump ain't died on no cross for your sin. He is greater than Donald Trump. 
He is greater than Barack Obama. Ain't it funny how some people clap that, he is, that he's greater than Donald Trump and other people clap that he's greater than, Donald, than Barack Obama. You know why? Because the same crowd that's saying, you tell them, Pastor, they done made Donald Trump the Messiah. You done made Barack Obama yours. Is this microphone working? Because the truth is, I ain't got nothing against neither one of them, but the truth is, ain't neither one of them went to no cross for my sins. My name ain't written in the book of Trump. My name ain't written in the book of Obama. My name is written in the book of life that sits to the right hand of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, Yeshua HaMashiach, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's greater than Joe Biden. He's greater. Get zoom in on this. Than Larry Ragland. He is greater than you. How about we just sum it up this way? He is greater. He's greater than COVID-19. He's greater than cancer. He's greater than AIDS. He's greater than the stock market. He's greater than the Republican Party, the Democratic Party. He's greater. He's greater than Alabama football. He's greater than Auburn football. He's greater than UAB football. Listen, he is greater. He's either greater to you. Oh, I'm going to be real with y'all this morning. He's either greater than all of that to you. Or he is not your God. Thou shalt put no other gods before me. You shall worship no graven image or any kind of idols. We have turned people into idols. We have turned celebrities and sports fans into idols. We have modeled our social mentality and how we process the world that we are in now based on the words of entertainers and sports figures and what they tweet. We have forgotten as children of God that the Bible says we are in this world but we are not of this world. Oh, I'm preaching better than my church is shouting this morning. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. I hate to break it to you, but you are never going to fit in to this world. Quit trying. Because it's just like, I don't mean this disrespectful, but it's just like that, that young lady that starts dating some heathen boy. And she's been raised in church all her life. And you'd be like, don't you know the Bible tells you to not be unequally yoked? You don't need to be hanging with him. And this is her response. Oh, but, but the Lord's told me I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the instrument of change. Oh, there's going to be an instrument of change, but it ain't going to be you. It's going to be him. Nine times out of ten. Ever one of you that go on a designed to go out on missionary dating and missionary engagement ends up surrendering to the other side. And the one that was raised in church their whole life, they end up conforming to the one that they thought that was going to change. 
Let me tell you something. Some of y'all are dating a world system thinking that you can straddle the fence, put one side with God and one side with the world. But let me tell you something. You will always weigh heavily. Once you give the flesh anything the flesh wants, the flesh will never be satisfied until they have pulled you over the fence. You need a relationship with God that is greater than your relationship with this world. Because when you understand that He's greater and your relationship with Him is greater, it will not matter what you see on television or what you hear. You will know that you are in this world but not of this world. And no matter what is happening, you are blessed going in, you are blessed coming out. (coughs) You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. Trying to preach. He is greater. If there's ever been a generation that needs to get a true revelation of who Jesus is, it is this one. Because our idea of Jesus is not Jesus. I've said it before and it's a running joke ever since the hay barn. Jesus ain't no blonde haired, blue eyed, lamb toting sissy. You look at him in some portraits that we got hanging in the house of God. He's like this. You watch him in some of the, the Bible movies of Jesus and trying to cast out the devil. He'll say, Satan, you come out. I got news for a boy. A son of a carpenter. Wouldn't be, wouldn't be walking like this. He'd be a little bit buff. Come on, somebody. He'd be a little bit rough. He'd be a little bit tough. Satan! Jesus is greater. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 1 says this. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, which by the way, Salem is Jerusalem. King of Salem, Jerusalem, priest of the Most High God. Listen, by the way, priest of the Most High God before there was even a temple to be a priest in. I'm coming back to that. Who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. To whom also Abram, Abraham gave a tenth part of all. First being translated king of righteousness and then also king of Salem. Meaning he was king of peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy. Having neither beginning of days nor end of life. But like, made like the son of God. Remains a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was. To whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoil. And indeed, those who were of the sons of Levi, listen to this, who received the priesthood, which, by the way, understand, had not been born yet. Because remember, it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Levi is a child of Jacob. A great, great grandson of Abraham. But watch this, what he's saying about Abraham. At the point that he was tithing to Melchizedek. And indeed, those who were sons of Levi who received the priesthood, have commanded to receive tithes from the people according to the law, that is, from their brethren. Though they have though they have come from the loins of Abraham, but he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who he had, prom- had the promises. Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he received them. And whom it is witnessed that he lives, even Levi, who received the tithes, 
paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Can I tell you something before I even get into the deepness of this word today? Because I'm going to do a little teach preaching today. Is that all right? He's telling us, you cannot save your children. Your children are going to have to, at the age of accountability, make their own decision to serve God or not. But, but, your legacy and your seed can, you can do things in this life that in the spirit realm, he's talking about spirit realm and physical in, in this sense because in the sense of the physical, Abraham would have Isaac and Isaac would have Jacob and Jacob would have Levi. So the DNA is within them. Can I get an amen? But he's also speaking spiritually that things you do in this life can outlive your life. There are things that you can sow. There is a life that you can live. That long after you are gone, your children and your children's children, and as many as the Lord God calls, can benefit from the faithfulness of previous generations. I've said it before and I'll say it again. As long as you are alive, Live. Die when you're dead. Don't live a life of death. You'll get it later. You might as well live, but don't just live. Don't just breathe air and live. Live to make an impact. Live to be an influence in this lifetime and in the lifetimes to come. Are y'all hearing me? Now we talk about Melchizedek. He was a man that stood before Father Abraham. But it's a unique man. Because, first of all, you're on the level that Hebrews says Jesus is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So you are somebody... That Hebrews says, if you want to understand in the natural, before Jesus came and walked this earth and died on the cross, the only other example I can give you is Melchizedek. Are you with me? It says he has no record of a father or mother. He has no genealogy on record. No record of ancestors. No record of a birth date and no record of a death date. He was made like the Son of God. And the Bible says he was a continual priest. There is a term that people use in theology called a Christophany. And a Christophany is when previous to the birth of Christ, Jesus would show himself in the spirit realm and people would see him manifest in the spirit realm in the Old Testament and they would see a type of the Christ that was coming, but not in natural human form. A great example is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Boy, ain't that a sermon they could preach right now. That said, I will not bow. 
And he said, well, we're going to throw you in the fiery furnace if you don't bow. And he said, well, throw me in the fiery furnace. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said something powerful. They said, you can throw me in there, and our God will deliver us from the fire. But even if he does it, I'm still not going to bow to your God. So they threw him in the fire, a fire so hot that it killed the people that threw him in. And later on, Nebuchadnezzar stood up and he looked over the edge and he said, How many did we throw in the fire? Somebody said there were three boys. Shadrach, Meshach, and we threw three in there. He said, Well, then why is it that I see a fourth man in the fire? And he's likened to the Son of Man. Are y'all hearing me? How many knows our Jesus showed up in the spirit realm in the pit of fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And if he did that in the Old Testament, guess what? He'll show up in the fiery trials of your life as well. But you've got to be faithful to him. Jacob wrestled with what he thought was an angel. All night long he wrestled with him. Till finally what he thought was an angel said, let me go. It's a test. And Jacob, at that point, saw something about that angel that knew it was more than an angel. He said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. That was not an angel. Here's how I know what an angel. Ain't no angel got the ability to make a covenant with a man. He put his hand in the hollow of his thigh, which is the way many covenants were made at that time. They put their hand in the hollow of the thigh and they would speak words over them. He put his hand in the hollow of his thigh and knocked his joint out. And he said, let me tell you something. I'm going to let you go. I'm going, but I'm going to do more than bless you. I'm about to change you from this point forward. Before this day, you were known as Jacob, deceiver, heel catcher, liar. But after I put my hand in the hollow of your thigh and I make the covenant with you from this day forward, you shall be known as Israel. Prince of God. Ain't no angel got that power. Throughout Scripture, the angel of the Lord is mentioned. If you study the angel of the Lord, you can see that these are perfect Christophanies of Jesus Christ. Because the Word is Spirit. And the Word did not become flesh until He came into the womb of the Virgin Mary. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But the Word, Jesus, the Word has always existed. Are you hearing me? Jesus is all through the Old Testament. He is not a New Testament character or invention or creation. Jesus did not begin in the Virgin Mary. Jesus, the body, Jesus, the baby, did. But who Jesus really is, just like who you really are, which is a spirit the difference between who you really are and who He really is is even your spirit was created by God at the conception of when your mom and daddy came together, praise God. Uh, that's when God put a soul in you and a spirit in you. The difference between you and me and Jesus is that Jesus didn't have no creator. Our minds can't wrap ourselves around it. We can't comprehend it. We think everything has to have a beginning and everything has to have an end. But Jesus never had a beginning and the, the Word of God will never have have an end. 
He has no father. He has no mother. He has no genealogy of true genealogy. In the natural, the body of Jesus did. The body of Jesus, that's all laid out in the book of Matthew chapter 1. The begats. We see the genealogy of the body of Jesus. But there is no book that gives us the genealogy of the Word of God. Because there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Spirit. These three are one. They three spoke in everything into existence. They're one God, but they manifest themselves in three ways. It's the only way our minds can comprehend it. I've given an illustration before this way. Up in these balconies right now, there are eight lights that are pretty blinding, by the way. They look good for you out there, but they're pretty tough on the ones that are up here. But the truth is, they make it everything look great. But if I started on this side of the stage and I walked in the first light, and then I said, well, you know, this is the second light, and then this is the third light, and then this is the fourth light, and then they come together, the fourth and the fifth come together right here, and then this is the fifth one, this is the sixth one, the seventh one, the eighth one. How many of I can't do that? Because there's eight lights, but you only see one light. So there's one God, but He manifested. They're so close as they manifest together, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that we see the closeness and the unity on a level that our minds can understand. So there's one God that exists in Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Are y'all with me? So I want to tell you something, what I feel about Melchizedek. This is my opinion. Uh, many theologians agree with this opinion. Some do not. But I don't have this opinion because of other theologians. This is my opinion. Jesus all through the New Testament. I mean the Old Testament. He's, he's obviously in the New Testament. He's all through the Old Testament. And the fact that this man he's literally lays out the description of the magnificent existence of this man named Melchizedek. I believe that Melchizedek was... Of Christophany, I believe we are talking about Jesus. I believe Melchizedek was, they call him Melchizedek, and they, they had, he had a name that, it, I don't know anything about the name, how the name came, I didn't have time to study that. But the, the thing you got to get more than the name is the priesthood. But more than the priesthood, you've got to get that he was not only the priest, the Bible said he was a king. He was the king of Salem which had not had its name changed to Jerusalem yet. So he's the king of Jerusalem. And he's the priest. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. He's a king and a priest. Oh, I'm about to get deep on y'all. Y'all still with me? What's this? The Bible says that Levi received and paid tithes by proxy through the body and the seed and the loins of Abraham. The Levitical priesthood that was coming was already in his seed. The principle of tithing that would be taught, that would be carried out by the Levites and priests and taught by Moses as a part of the law of Moses, doesn't even exist yet. But yet here we have the father of the faith, Father Abraham, doing something that had never been taught on a religious level to be, do, to be done. Abraham was a forerunner and even the priest of himself of the Levitical priesthood.
But I want to tell you something about tithing. I'm not preaching about tithing today, but that's what I'm preaching right now. Tithing has been placed in the heart of people of God that are truly hungry from God, for God from the very beginning of creation. Tithing is in the story of creation. Because here's what you've got to understand about tithe. Tithing, what does the word tithe mean? 10%. But it's more than 10%. It's an acknowledgement of the holiness of that 10%. That it's not a bill. It's not a power bill. It's not a, it's not a phone bill. Can I get an amen? You might put it on your budget like a bill, but it ain't a bill. You can't look at it as a bill. You have to look at it as holy. God put man in the Garden of Eden and He said, all these trees, you see all these trees? They're all yours. You gotta take care of all of them. Now that one over there, one thing I need to tell you about it. You're still going to take care of it. You're still going to trim it. You're still going to make sure it's good, just like all the other trees. The difference between that tree and the rest of the trees that you still got to take care of is you don't get to eat from that tree. Because that tree is holy. That tree is mine. So when you get up, you go to your work. And by the way, I hope you are working and not part of this whole crew that's decided that you ain't got to work anymore because you've made the government your God if that's the case if you're getting a better job good for you if you're sitting at home collecting a check I want to remind you the Bible says if a man does not provide he's worse than an infidel and departed from the faith if you don't work you have departed from the faith now, I'm not talking about stay-at-home mom. I'm not talking about people that's made these kind of decisions. I'm talking about if nobody in your house is providing and you letting uh, Pennsylvania Avenue provide for you, you, you've left where you need to be. Work was not a curse of the garden, the sweat of the brow. Work is a blessing. It's a blessing. So when you go work and you get that check, that check has your name on it, and it has all the hours that you worked. And it has all the money that you made from those hours. Let's just make it easy. Let's say, let's say uh, $1,000 for a month. I'm just making it easy here for numbers. One month come in, you got a check for $1,000. says, Larry Raglan, $1,000. I worked, and my salary is $1,000. I earned it. I showed up every day, and I made a thousand dollars but God said what you got to understand is there's something inside of you as a believer that I've put there that if you'll listen and be obedient to it even though you trimmed every tree and that check shows that you took care of every tree are y'all hearing me 10 percent of that which is out of a thousand is what a hundred dollars even though you earned it, is holy. The Bible says the tithe is mine and it is holy, says the Lord. So that becomes a part of what you have done with your hands. That becomes an act of worship and an act of obedience and holiness.
that in the natural it would be it would make sense for you to take this because you need this that's why you worked all of that for that but god said there is an understanding and a principle that is bigger than that 10% do you think god needs that 100 dollars god doesn't need that the earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof when you change your perspective you change it this way the truth is, every breath I take comes from God. The truth, now you may not believe that, but a believer that is truly a believer believes that. A true believer, whether you call me a kook or not, believes that every pump of my heart is a gift from God. The Lord giveth, the Lord take away. God can, can bring life and He can take life. God is all powerful. So the truth is, Everything is God's. So when your name is on that check, Larry Raglan, $1,000, instead of, this is how you change your mind. Instead of thinking, I got to give God 10% of what I've worked my tail off for, of what I need in my house. A, a believer's mindset says this. Oh, I'll give you praise, Lord, because you could take all of it. But you, you've given me 90%. So I thank you, Lord, that you're going to do more with 90% than you could with 100. Because I'm not bringing 10 because it's a bill. I'm bringing 10 out of obedience and out of thankfulness. And you could take my job away just like that. Are y'all with me? See, it's always been in the nature of godly men. Remember what, remember what Eve said to the serpent? What, what, what did he say about this tree? Eve said, well, I'll tell you what he said. I'll tell you exactly what he said. And this gospel according to Larry, but it probably went like this. It's the same thing I've been telling you every day that you've been asking me, you stinking serpent snake. Because she didn't, she didn't misconstrue facts the first time she was asked the question. She was relentlessly asked the question. Look around. Does it seem like you really have a loving God? I heard what you said. But why would God keep you from eating from the prettiest tree in the whole garden? How many of those God's tree ain't going to be the ugliest tree? God's tree is going to be the prettiest tree in the garden. And you can't eat from it. And the devil will come at you and he'll say, Psh, what kind of, you, that's a loving God? Here's how it manifests nowadays. If God's such a loving God, then why is there poverty? If God's such a loving God, then why is there hunger? If God's such a loving God, then why is there murder? If God's such a loving God, why is there racism? If God's such a loving God, why is there hatred? And then he'll just go on and on and on. And the devil is always trying to throw the blame on God. There's racism because of a devil. There's murder because of a devil. There's hatred because of a devil. But that devil don't ever want to admit that he's the source of all of that. He wants to turn it on your mind to make you create a different image of a loving God. Why is it so quiet in here? If you don't think that racism and hatred and, and murder is of the devil, you need to get up in this altar and get saved right now. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Unity is from God. Disunity is from the devil. 
don't care if you like it or not. That's biblical truth. Okay, focus there. Focus there. Watch this. What did he really say about this tree? Finally, at some point, if you entertain the voice of the devil, and let me go further and say, if you have communication with the devil, because the devil ain't going to stop talking to you, but you need to give him that talk to the hand. But once you start entertaining the thoughts and the words of the enemy and having a conversation with the enemy, most of the time you're going to lose that battle. God has not given you a command to have communication with the devil. That's why I can't stand it when you see people casting out devils in a service. They want to say, what is your name? How many are you? They're only doing that. Most of them are doing that because they heard Jesus do that with the man at the tomb. But Jesus didn't do that because he wanted to have a conversation. He was doing that at that point because he needed the people in that time because he was still trying to develop the gospel to see that he was bigger than thousands and thousands of devils. But nowadays people do it for the spectacular. They do it for the show. My name is the God of Dung. I am Beelzebub. How many of those? He'll never call himself the God of Poop. Although he is. And if you don't know what that means, you ain't been to church lately. How many are you? We are Legion. We are thousands. Really? Okay, go get in those pigs. That was a dead dog. That wasn't a dead pig. Sorry. No, it's oi, 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 oi. No, that's still a dog. Still a dog. Okay, move on. But God does not want us having conversation. I used to, I was raised that way. I was raised the only way you can cast the devil out is to scream at them. Pour an entire bottle of oil on their head. Sling them all over. Drive, rattle them. Ride them like a cowboy. Straddle them. Throw them down. Hold them down. I'm not saying that won't ever happen. But you know what I found out? I found out in this building. Some of y'all in, in this building. Multiple people in this building. Demons were manifesting. God would show me there was the devil cast up. Walk over to them. Come right up to their ear and whisper in their ear. Shut up. I'm not making this up. Shut up. You don't have to stage here. You don't get to put on a performance. No one's going to even know because we're not going to give the devil any praise. But right now, you are coming out in the name of Jesus. Right over there, I watched the man go. came to the altar and got saved. Nobody in the church even knew the devil had been cast out. The devil didn't get no praise. Are y'all hearing me? Now, I'm not telling you it don't happen. I've had them spit on me. I've had them throw up on me. I've had them bite me. I've had them get on the floor and act like a snake. Had one act like a snake and wrap his whole body around me like a python. And I told get off of me. And they looked up to me in the service and said this. Shut up, you effing Mother effing said it to me in the service. Screamed it out to me in the service. The devil still came out. They still got saved. 
She don't have a conversation with the devil. So when you get there, it always ends up not good. And she said, well, he said, like I've always told you, he said, how many of us, when you have a conversation with the devil, little by little by little, you begin to forget. When you, are, when you have conversations with the devil on a daily basis, it's usually because you're not having conversations with God on a daily basis. Am I preaching good this morning? You, you will convince yourself that the voice of the enemy sounds like the voice of God. He's real good at disguising his voice. Oh, the Lord told me. The Lord told me. Really? It's amazing that the Lord told you something that was against his word. How unbiblical is that? If he told you something that goes against his word, then he's a liar. And God's not a man that he should lie. Am I preaching right? So she had had this conversation so many times that she probably had convinced herself that this is really what God said. Because she got real close. God said, you can eat of any tree in the, in the Garden of Eden, but of that tree you cannot eat. For in the day that you eat of that tree, you will surely die. And Eve said, well, I'll tell you what he said. He said that we are not to eat or even touch that tree. For the day we do, we shall surely die. And the moment... You add or take away from what God said. It's an open door to the enemy. Because I'm going to tell you something. The devil knows the Bible better than all of us put together. And he heard that one variation. He knew what God had said. God never said you're not going to touch it. In fact, God implies the fact that he was a gardener, that he would touch it. But he couldn't eat from it. It was a tithe. It was a tithe. And it wasn't 10%. It was an acknowledgement of the holiness of what belongs to God. God said, there ain't but one that really, need, that really knows good and evil and what it can do. That's why I call that the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The devil's evil, but he don't know good. He don't know what good can do. I know what good can do, and I know what evil can do, because the only one that knows everything is me. That's my tree. The day you eat it, you surely die. See, Satan said, oh, this is what he meant. Be careful having conversations with people that try to tell you what God meant. When you can literally read what he said. Now, I know there's interpretation. That's what preachers do. They'll break down interpretation. They'll break down the heat. I'm not talking about that. But when, you, when somebody tries to tell you what God said and it opposes what God meant and it opposes what God said, you better run. He said, well, let me tell you what he meant. He meant not that you would die naturally, but the day you ate of it, your eyes would be open and you would see things the way God sees them and you would become like God. In other words, you would take back all of what you have rightfully earned in this garden. Everything that's on your check. 
Yeah, it's getting quiet in here when you talk about tithes. You do not tithe. I better hurry up before I lose y'all and y'all got to go to the bathroom at the same time. I bind every bladder in the name of Jesus. Hold for a few more minutes and you shall be released. You do not tithe to something or someone equal or below you. You tithe only to those who are above you. Mm-hmm. Not honor. You can honor people that's below you in authority. But tithing is a holy moment. It is something that you do to acknowledge the holiness above you. And here we have a man that God chose in all of humanity to be the father of a nation called Israel. To be the father of a faith that we would be grafted into. That he would make a covenant with called the Abrahamic covenant. And Hebrew would say that Abraham was God's friend. But you can't really get much closer to God than that. But yet he was tithing to someone else. Because at that time, Melchizedek, which I believe was a priestly name and understanding of the revelation that God was given. Because I want you to know something. God is not the God. Jesus is not the God of the New Testament. Jesus is God. He was God before the Old Testament. He was God before Genesis 1-1. When he said, let God, in the beginning, before the beginning of what we know as the earth and the universes and all of existence, Jesus was already God. He's greater. Somebody say, my Jesus is greater. Tithing is not even really for God. Tithing is for you. God doesn't need you to tithe. You need you to tithe. If you know that God is greater than you, it should be never a question of whether you are a tither. When you tithe, you acknowledge that God is greater than any situation you are facing, greater than any obligation that you have. When you do not tithe, you are saying, and I hate to give you this way because it's a hard word to receive, you are saying that your obligations are greater than your God. Your desires, your fears, your worries are greater than your God. No matter what is going on in a believer's life, a believer inside of their spirit man, not their flesh, not even their soul, their mind, their emotions, their intellect, but the spirit man that is born again will always acknowledge the holiness of God. So the question is, are you led by the flesh or are you led by the spirit? If you're led by the flesh, the Bible tells us in Galatians, you, you shall of the flesh reap corruption. But if you're led by the spirit, you shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. No matter what is going on in a believer's life, they will always tithe to the priest that is over them. 
they tithe to the high priest. The Levitical law taught you bring your tithe to the priest, the, Le- the Levites, the Levitical priesthood of the temple. You bring, they received the tithe and they brought it into the house of God. Malachi chapter 3 says, Bring your tithe and offer it to the storehouse that there might be meat in my house and prove me now herewith, said the Lord of hosts, if I shall not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there shall not be room enough to receive. That's a promise from God. Then he goes on to say, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake if you're a tither. I'll put, a, I'll put you as a jewel in my crown if you're a tither. Jesus didn't appear as Jesus to Abraham. He manifested himself as a priest, showing that we do not tithe directly to God, but we bring our tithe to the priest or his representative on behalf of our greater high priest. I am your pastor, but he is the shepherd. Are you hearing me? When you read Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. That, the same word for pastor, poyman, pastor. The Lord is my pastor. My Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Let me tell you something. I'm your pastor, but you're still going to want if I'm all you got. I can't lead y'all to green pastures. I can't prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Huh? I can't make your cup run over. Surely I will not follow you all the days of your life. But when you read Psalm 23, you read about the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. But he manifests what a shepherd is in the under shepherd that he puts in your life. Are y'all hearing me? That's why he calls you the priest of your home. You're not the priest of all priests, but you're the priest of your home. And you follow the example of the high priest, a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who is sitting at the right hand of God forever interceding for us. My God, are y'all still with me? Come on. I know. Look, I'm just as hungry as y'all. Come on. Stay with me. I've worked harder than y'all have this morning. Here we go. Here we go. I'm almost through. It's almost through. I still got, I still got, I still got 27 minutes. Tell y'all, I got moods. So you don't bring your tithes to me. That's not what I'm talking about. I don't want your tithes. You bring your tithes to the place where the priest that God has put in your life, the father figure that God has put in your life, the shepherd that God has put in your life, that stands in the shadow in the undergarment of the one that he is representing, you bring your tithes to that storehouse. So that that storehouse can be able to do what God has called him to do. Are y'all still with me? Give the Lord a praise. If you ain't a tither, there's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. But if you're in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. But you need to make a decision to become a tither. Why? Because that is a declaration that you acknowledge the holiness of God. Now listen to this. I'm going to hurry. I'm going to try to finish this chapter. Verse 11 says something very powerful in chapter 7 of Hebrews. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise to the order of Melchizedek? Rise 
with this sort of the same kind of qualifications that Melchizedek had as he stood before Abraham. And not be called according to the order of Aaron. For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. In other words, if you change the way the priesthood operates, you got to change the law. Because the law operates within the priesthood. Am I preaching right? For he of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe. About to get deep on y'all. From which no man has officiated at the altar. In other words, he's talking about Jesus coming, obviously. But he says Jesus is going to be a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. But it's going to blow their mind because he'll be the first high priest even within the order in which he established that is not from the tribe of Levi. So in other words, if you're going to change the covenant, you've got to change the priesthood. Oh, it's about to get good here. Verse 14, For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah. Does anybody know what Judah means? Praise. Somebody shout praise. It is evident that our Lord arose from praise. Where the Levitical priesthood was a priesthood of the law. Jesus did not arise in his earthly genealogy that talks about Mary and Joseph in the book of Matthew tracing his lineage to a Levitical priesthood. Why? Because he would have just been considered just another Levitical priest. But he said, no, 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 no. You've got to understand something. I'm not just changing the priesthood how you come to the priest. I'm changing by the very tribe that I come from on how you come to the priest. Oh, y'all didn't get it. See, he knew that when he died and he said, it is finished, what happened? The Bible said when he said it is finished and he bowed his head and died, the, the, the sky went dark. The earth began to shake. And the Bible says the earth began to shake the veil. Look at this, this big old giant curtain here. Very similar to the way, the way the veil was. The veil that stood where, where, the, where the commoner could only come this far. The commoner could, uh, even, the, even the Levitical priesthood, by the way, actually should, could only come this far. The only one that could come on the other side of that curtain was the high priest. One man that was chosen from the tribe of Levi and he would stand he would move that curtain and then he would go into what is known as the holy of holies and he would go in there and he would take the blood of a lamb and dip it in a hyssop branch and he would sling it on the east side of the altar on the sins of a nation but the difference between that is that was a Levitical priesthood that was man having to bring the sins of their family to another man and hoping that that man was right with God so that that man could go into a room that nobody else could be in but when Jesus died on the cross the veil the Bible said was ripped from top to bottom can I tell you something can I help you praise God you listen you want to rip a piece of paper if, if, if it was hanging like this and I'm standing underneath it and I wanted to rip it I'd take my sword and stick it in the bottom and the only way I could do it is to grab two people on both sides and pull and rip it from the bottom to the top the only way anybody because nobody had a ladder nobody had a scaffold nobody had a lift 
a hydraulic lift. Nobody could have faked it. The only way the veil could be ripped from top to bottom is if God the Father looked down, took his hand, and ripped it in shreds and said, Nothing with this priesthood is going to stand between you and God. You have an entire covenant that says you you cannot come on your own. You've got to come through this Levitical law. And then all of a sudden you hear the Lord say, Come unto me, all you that are heavy and laden. I will come on, come unto me, take my yoke upon you. Come boldly to the throne of grace. So how do we do it? David got a revelation. David got a revelation. The greatest writer in the book of Psalms, one of the greatest songwriters in the history of humanity was David. He'd play his harp and demons would leave. He's the one that wrote, enter into his courts with thanksgiving. Into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. You walk into him, it was a revelation. You come before God with thanksgiving. You come before God with praise. It was a revelation ahead of his time. But isn't it interesting that David came from the tribe, does anybody know, of Judah. David is known as the great king of Israel. In fact, Jesus is even known as the king of David or the son of David. One day when the millennial rain happens and the new Jerusalem comes down, Jerusalem, when that Jerusalem comes down and sits upon the original boundaries of the Garden of Eden, the Bible says King David will rule alongside King Jesus. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah. Of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning the priesthood. The priesthood was established through Moses' brother Aaron. Who Moses and Aaron were Levites. Therefore creating a holy lineage. That the only way you could become a priest is at the age of 30. If you are directly tied in a pure line to the tribe of Levi, you could become a priest. No one else could become a priest. And the direct lineage of Moses and Aaron would be the lineage of those who would become the high priest. It was an order that was still in place when Jesus walked into the temple at age 30. The exact age that the Levitical law declared you are now a candidate to become a priest in the temple. At age 30, Jesus walked into that world and that environment like he had done most of his life here on this earth. They knew him, knew him as the son of the carpenter, Joseph. He had read the scrolls many times. And they just thought, boy, I'll tell you one thing. I'll be honest with you, there's probably something special about him. He's, good. He's a good old boy right there. He's going to turn out to be a good carpenter. They had no idea. At age 30, 
Because God is, he, Jesus said, I came not to destroy the law, but rather to fulfill the law. So he did not destroy the law. He obeyed his own law, which was the Levitical law, the Mosaic law. So he waited till age 30. And he walked in, just like he always had, walked upon the platform. They said, oh, man, you're going to read for us today? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm going to read today. Where are you going to read from? Well, let me see. I think I'll read from Isaiah. Oh, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. They're like, yeah, that's good. We all, oh, prophet, ain't nothing good as prophet Isaiah talking about the Messiah coming. There's no greater book talks about that Messiah. We're all looking for the Messiah. Yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Bible said he took that scroll and he laid it down and he, and he rolled that thing out in front of him. Nowadays, we'd say turn the pages, but it was a scroll. What? Go back and read the book of Luke. It says, and he found the place where it was written. Now, now how many knows he knew exactly where it was written? Because he's the one that said it. I don't mean to mess your mind up here. But he's the one that inspired Isaiah to even write about himself. But he wanted them to see. So if it had been in this day, it had been something like this. Or actually it would be like this. And Jesus' face would have been glowing blue. But here we go. The Bible said he found the place where it was written. Now, we read it in Luke, but there was no Luke to read it from. Luke wasn't even a believer yet. He is a doctor. He's still working his private practice. He found the place where it was written. And he said, for the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to preach the gospel, the good news to the poor. He has empowered me to open blinded eyes, to cause the lame to walk. And all those who are bound in bondage, I'm going to set them free. Then he, then he, the Bible's so powerful. He closed the scroll. They're all shouting him down. Oh, that's one of my favorite scriptures. You go, son. Nobody reads it like you. And the Bible says he turns around and looks at him and says, this day. These words are fulfilled inside your ears. And he sat down. Go read your Bible. It makes a point to say, and he sat down. I've told y'all this before, but I got to remind you, there wasn't but one open seat on that platform. It was the seat waiting for Elijah to come because they knew that Elijah was prophesied that he would come before the Messiah. That's why they still make an open place for him at the cedar meal at Passover in, a, in an Orthodox Jewish believer's home. They're still waiting on Elijah because they're still waiting on the Messiah. But what they missed was Elijah, the Messiah, the entire Old Testament, every Levitical law, every Mosaic word, every prophecy from Isaiah, from Zechariah, from Zephaniah, from Malachi, every prophecy, everything that Joel said, everything that ever happened, every top and shadow that happened in the garden, every piece of the temple, everything about the outer court, everything about the inner court, everything about the table of showbread, everything about the altar of incense, everything about the veil, everything about the Ark of the Covenant, everything about the mercy seat was fulfilled in the greater. It was fulfilled in the greater. It was fulfilled in Jesus, the Son of the living God. This day, all of it. He wasn't just talking about that scripture. All of it. 
is fulfilled. All of it. I came not to destroy the law, but rather fulfill the law. I didn't do away with the lamb. I am the lamb. I didn't do away with the priest. I am the priest. I feel the Holy Ghost. Who has come, verse 16, Hebrews 7. Not according to the law of fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. For he testifies, you are a priest forever after the according to the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of his weakness and unprofitableness. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. This priest, our priest, when we draw near to that priest, we draw near to God. The Old Testament priests were commanded to be from the tribe of Levi. The Levitical priesthood. As I said, Aaron and Moses both were from the tribe of Levi. Jesus was from the tribe of Judah. The law of Moses did not provide for members of the tribe of Judah to become priests. Judah was the tribe of the king. Moses, excuse me, Jacob, Israel, on his dying, his deathbed as he spoke over all of his sons, he spoke over Judah and he said, the, the scepter of the king shall never leave your tribe. Judah was the tribe of the king. Levi was the tribe of the priesthood. For this reason, the nation of Israel experienced an incredible, many believe irreconcilable split between the altar and the throne. No one in the eyes of the Levitical mind could hold both offices at the same time. If you were from the tribe of Levi, you were a priest. If you were in the tribe of Judah, you were of the lineage of the king. No one in the Old Testament could be a king and a priest. In fact, no one could be both in any covenant except the one that is greater. Jesus is both priest and king. He is of the Levitical line because he is the law. He is the word. The Levitical law means the word, the law. That is God. That's why he said, I didn't come to destroy it. I am it. In the beginning was the word, John chapter 1. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I am the law. But I'm more than the law. I am the way. And the way through the torn curtain. I am the way to the throne. The truth and the life. 
No man gets to the Father lest he go through this priest. In fact, I want to say this about my Jesus. <laughs> my Jesus is the supreme authority over all people, over all creation. My Jesus is the king of the kingdom. When he came down off the mountain, my Jesus did not say, for the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to tell you to repent for the Levitical law is coming. He said, I come to tell you as a priest and as a king, repent to me and I will tell you the kingdom is nigh. Even in your face. He preached the kingdom. In fact, here's the thing. He only talked about being born again one time. And that was to Nicodemus in the middle of the night. Being born again is the way you get into the kingdom. But everywhere Jesus preached, he preached the kingdom. He didn't preach born again. In the, in the sense of every place he went, you heard those words. We know that he preached repentance to give you access to the kingdom. The difference between this king and any other king that's ever existed is this king is one billion times prepared, if you can put a number on it, to share everything in his kingdom with you and me. Huh? What's this? We are, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, has given them power to become sons of God. And if we're sons of God, then we're heirs of God. If we're heirs of God, then we're joint heirs with Christ. Everything that he inherited by doing what he did, we have access to. Are y'all still alive? I told y'all when I come back from October to pack a lunch. I'll tell you one more thing about my Jesus and we'll close. My Jesus is the King of Kings. He's not a king, he's the King of Kings. My Jesus is not just a priest, he is the priest of priests. Melchizedek, the reason I believe it was a Christophany of Jesus is because even in that time, he was something way ahead of his time. He stood before the, the father of the faith as king and as priest. He was king of Salem. He was a priest. Calls him that. And from Melchizedek to Jesus, no one had ever been king of priests again. The only ones in Scripture that's ever been king and priest in the Old Testament was someone named Melchizedek, the order of Melchizedek and Jesus. I believe he manifests himself. Jesus can do anything he wants to do. I believe he manifests himself underneath the law in which he had established. This was the way that he would, he would have to be doing it. He would have to do it according to his own law. Giving us a, t a taste and a type and shout. Showing us that even the foundation of the Old Testament was founded upon access to the priest and upon grace. He was the priest and king before the Old Testament even permitted it. The law of king and priest was put in place. But it would not be fully manifested until the king and priest became one of us could not be put in place because that was a spirit that Abraham was encountering the spirit of God when he became one of us at age 30 for three
three and a half years, he preached the gospel of the kingdom. And then the lamb was slain. You can't make this stuff up on the day of Passover. When all of Jerusalem was in the city, with the, with the priest of the homes carrying a lamb around their neck, with a tag around the neck of that lamb, stamped in a copper tag, the name of the father of that house of which that lamb would represent. And while they're being slayed and blood is flowing through the temple of Jerusalem, they lifted up the Lamb of God, the priest of God, the King of Kings, the priest of priests. Remember what, remember what John the Baptist's cousin said? Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The religious people said, don't let him die until you change that sign that you've nailed above his head. Why? Because he says he's the king of the Jews. Change it to he said he was king of the Jews. They said, what is is is. It's not changing. What they didn't realize. That's why when you look at the Catholic cross, Jesus on the cross that you see, and above it you'll see those four letters, I-N-R-I. Have you ever seen that? That's Latin. It was written in three different languages, Aramaic, Hebrew, and Latin. The Latin version, the first letters of each word, the king of the Jews, is I-N-R-I. In Hebrew, the first letters are yud Hey vav Hey, which is the name Jehovah, Jehovah. So the name of the father of all creation, Jehovah God, was wrapped around the head of the lamb. Passover. Inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, verse 21, for they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath by him who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much more, Jesus become a surety of a better covenant. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. In other words, it wasn't just one. There were hundreds of priests because they all died. But he stopped it all because he continues forever. Has an unchangeable priesthood. There's no need to change the priesthood anymore because we got one that will reign forever. Therefore, he is also able to save, I love this, to the uttermost. Somebody shout, I want to be saved to the uttermost he is able to save to the uttermost why does he say that because the Old Testament Levitical priesthood could only cover your sins for one year and then you had to get them covered again but Jesus said once it's forgiven I cast as far as the east is from the west you may remember it but I remember it no more since he always lives to make intercession for them, for such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separated from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. For, he, for this he did once for all when he offered up himself 
For the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the Son who has been perfected forever. Come on, give the Lord a praise right now. Stand up on your feet all over this house. Right now. Right now. Say this. Jesus, today I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. You are my King. You are my priest. You are my Lord. You are greater than anything I will ever face. You are holy. You are pure. You are my priest. You are standing on my behalf even now. So I surrender my life to my King and my Lord. And say this as loud as you can say it. You are greater. Jesus, you are greater than anything I will ever face. Give him a hand clap of praise right now if you believe it. Don't forget to join us at Palmerdale United Methodist at 2 p.m. today. God bless you, Sandy. Real quick, uh, Monica asked me to remind you guys she still needs your help. She especially needs another turkey and ham for Wednesday night. Thanks. Uh, friends giving meal for our students. And I want to uh, add something that did not get into announcements today. Ladies, we're having a fun night for ladies, a Friday night, 7 to 10 p.m. in the gym. If you can come, bring your favorite games or craft supplies and bring some snack foods with you. And, and stop by and see me about our ladies' Thanksgiving lunch for Thursday if you can come. And Pastor and I would like to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for a wonderful service last week, all the wonderful gifts that you gave us, and all of your love and appreciation. We thank you so much. So we got a big week. Help us out if you can. Love you all. Wednesday night. Don't forget class.